Yeehaw and welcome to Rafi's Roundup, a special Christmas edition. Uh, I am, of course, your host, Rafi. And on today's episode of Rafi's Roundup, uh, we're going to get a little self-indulgent. That's what the rest of the year is going to look like for me personally. Um, we only have a couple podcasts left coming out this year uh, until I take my big hiatus, my, my big fat hiatus. Um, so I thought in today's episode of Rafi's Roundup, we could really quickly just kind of summarize, um, this year in terms of the, the Calm Buffet and its big return and, you know, give me some behind the scenes information about these episodes that we made. Um, and yeah, you're, you're going to learn some things that are <laughs> going to maybe be uncomfortable to talk about. Um, but more so than anything, I just want to really compliment all of the people I've worked with this year. And, you know, uncharacteristically give myself a pat on the back for just trying to put in a little more effort into this series that I did this year. Um, and all the great books I got to talk about and all the great people I got to record with and just, you know, have a good little time. Um, one of these episodes that we're going to talk about is actually not out at the time of this recording. Uh, it has not been, per like, made at all at the time of this recording, but... Uh, I still want to talk about I still want to talk about the people involved in it, and, uh, you know, hopefully by maybe even the first month of next year, that will come out, and that'll be, like, the last Comp Buffet thing, you know? Um, we'll talk about it when we get there. We have a lot of books to kind of get through. So, the first Comp Buffet of 2022 was Detective Comics, which was written by James Tynan IV, and I did that episode with... Justin and Connor. Now, a couple things to kind of set in stone here. When I decided to bring back the Con Buffet, there were a couple of big things I wanted to do. I wanted to talk about books that were a bit more modern, you know, something made within the last, like, ten years. I wanted to talk with uh, a different group of people in every episode. Um, you know, some people are going to be repeats, but I tried to I try to have different combinations of co-hosts. Like, I've done con buffets where it's just been me and one other person before, so it's not impossible. But preferably, I like to have two or three people in a recording with me. And for these episodes in particular, I thought really hard about, you know, who would be good together, right? Who, who, what, what two people would have good synergy in an episode? And what book is kind of appropriate to the people that I have on? Um... I really wanted to do a different combination every episode. We only repeat a combination once, and that's with Justin and Connor. So that's okay by me, because the other opportunity I found with this was the chance of kind of paying homage to the entirety of the Panel Biter podcast history. Um, if I had to double up on any co-hosts, of course I want it to be Justin and Connor, because they've been recording with me since I started the panel biter nine years ago. Um, and you're going to see other combinations like that that just kind of make sense in that way. But Detective Comics was the first one. Um, it's Batman, so it's easy to understand. But it's also, you know, uh, he has a team of characters who are sidekicks or former enemies. Um, so there's plenty to talk about there. I know Justin Connor got a real kick out of talking about what Clayface's deal was. Um... Batman's sort of behavior among this team of characters, and just all the weird, bizarre stuff that happens. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to talk about um, 
there's a future version of Tim Drake who appears in Detective, Detective Comics, um, who I talked about with Seth and um, David on a podcast as well. So there are some returning characters that, while they may be familiar to longtime Combo Fay fans, um, it was the first time of Justin and Connor learning of this alternate Tim Drake. Um, and it was, just a, it was just a good chance to, you know, introduce some characters that people might not be aware of. Um, talk about a story that I really liked. When, when Detective Comics came out, um, that was when Tom King was writing the main Batman book. And I really didn't like King's depiction of Batman. So James Tynan's depiction of Batman and how he kind of interacts with his teammates, his, his family, I guess, um, it was done really well. And not in the way of, like, Batman's the perfect, like, family man. Like, no. You see flaws in him during that, that era of uh, his comics. And it was also a great opportunity to reintroduce Tim Drake back into the comics. He, he never really left. But it was more a matter of, like, he hadn't done anything relevant in a long time. Um, it was a good reintroduction for Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown. Uh, seeing Clayface be a hero and kind of... More so, I guess, understanding that Clayface's villainy is not something that he chose. Um, it's really nice to see that part of the character acknowledged. Um, but again, Justin and Connor were great on this episode. We really kind of covered... I tried to cut out the parts that weren't as important. But we really covered a, a majority of Tynan's time. James Tynan's time on Detective Comics. Um, between giant robots and military Batmen and cyber Batmen. Um, you know, there was plenty to talk about, plenty of weird stories. Th that's what I like, too. Like, I wasn't going to ignore the weird and bizarre uh, challenges that would come to Batman and his uh, his team here. And I knew uh, Justin and Carr would have a lot to say about some of these weird challenges that the characters would go through. Um, but that was the first one of 2022, and I, I it's one of my favorite episodes to go back and listen to. It's, you know, it, it's like nothing had changed, I guess, between the three of us, you know? Like, I, I, I like none of us really got rusty, you know? It, it really just kind of felt like a classic comp buffet episode, um, you know, for better or worse, you know, the, the, the humor and everything. Um, but that was a whole lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking about that book with them. Um, the next episode was, let's see, uh, Silk. And I did that episode with Bennett and my wife, Macy. Now, a little behind-the-scenes stuff here. The, the first of many behind-the-scenes. The, the um, sorry, if you hear that, that's Honey Buns. She's featured in a couple of these episodes, too, actually. Um, so, it, interestingly enough, when I started the Con Buffet Project for 2022... I, you know, I was making a roster of who I had recorded with, who I hadn't recorded with, and who I wanted on what episodes, like I said before. And I would say a good majority, not even a good majority, I'd say like three podcasts were supposed to have Seth in them. Um, Seth is one of my favorite people to record with. Um, he was my co-host on the Weekly Flip for a very long time. Um, and yeah, I just, I wanted him to be a major part of this. Now, the thing is, uh, Seth is a very dedicated worker. He, you know, spends a lot of time working. And sometimes it's hard to schedule things with him. And I, I didn't want to make him feel unincluded. I wanted to make sure that, like, he was part of it. But I also didn't want him to feel overwhelmed. So ultimately, 
instead of three episodes, uh, I thought he was only going to be in one episode, and then it changed to him being in two episodes. Um, Silk was an episode that was going to be Seth and Bennett, um, but again, Seth had work and everything, so kind of on the fly, I asked Macy to be part of it, because Macy does like Spider-Man, and I figured Silk was a new enough character that Macy could kind of have a fresh view of this character. Now, I will say among the episodes I did this year, uh, Silk, I think, is on the lower end in terms of ones that I personally like. Um, just as an episode, it's not my favorite. As a comic, though, uh, I loved Silk when it came out. Uh, I usually don't buy comics just for the art, but the art in Silk ended up being way more important to me than I realized. Um, because while the art I really enjoyed the beginning of the book, when the art changed, I really lost all interest in reading it. Um, so I got to talk about that in the episode. It was, it was a good chance to talk about an actual, like, fundamental part of comic books and how it affects readership. Um, it was also funny because, again, Macy has less experience with comic books than most of the people I, I surround myself with. So during the episode, we got to have a fun conversation about how ads are integrated into comic books and how distracting it can be. Um... And yeah, I mean, Silk is a cool character. It was a good introduction to her character. I'm really hoping to see her in more stuff going forward. Um, I'm I'm hoping she shows up in maybe a Spider-Verse movie. I know her character's already in the MCU. So, I don't know. Silk's a fun character. It was nice to talk about her. Um, and yeah, Bennett was there also. <laughs> but, I mean, I, 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 I will say, Bennett really... I, I gotta give props to my little brother. He really ended up pulling the weight this year in terms of, uh, you know, being in these episodes. I think Bennett is in, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, Bennett is in five episodes from this year, which is, like, insane. Um, so thank you, Bennett, for, for participating so much in the, in the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, episode three, this is another one of my favorite ones. Uh, this is the Martian Manhunter solo run. It was a limited series from, I think, 2015. Um, this episode featured Bennett and Connor. This was the first one where the combination was something new, in terms of, like, co-hosts. Something new, but something that I felt would work really well, and, I, and I'm pretty satisfied with the result. I think Bennett and Connor have great comedic timing and synergy. Um, one of them will say something stupid, and the other one will laugh, and it just works really well. And I think that blending works really well, you know, in general. Because I think Bennett, for as unique as a person he is from someone like Justin, with Connor, he can kind of, like, not match Justin's energy, but kind of substitute something similar. Like, Justin and Connor work so well because they've known each other forever. I don't know why Bennett and Connor work so well, because they haven't... They, I mean, they've known each other since Bennett was, like, a kid, kid. But I don't know. I mean, originally... There was going to be one of these episodes that was going to be um, Justin and Bennett. And I really did that without knowing what the comment, what that would kind of look like. Um, that episode didn't end up having the two of them together. And I think, excuse me, I think that's probably for the best. I think Bennett does work with Connor in, you know, in what I think better than what hypothetically would have been of, of Bennett and Justin. Um Despite that, the two of them, uh, again, were great together, um, and <laughs> I think what also helped was the book. This being the third episode of this year, it was the first comic I wanted, I think it's the first and only, yeah, it's the only comic 
amongst 2022, um, of the 2022 episodes that, um, I knew was bad going in. (laughs) It was the only bad comic book I wanted to talk about. Um, because, you know, there are parts of the 2015 Martian Manhunter series that I really like. Like, I like the art for the most part. I like the initial twist with how the cast is connected to Martian Manhunter. Um, even the stuff on Mars and kind of the paranormal stuff that happens, I'm totally fine with. It, uh, you know, for a while it felt kind of like an M. Shyamalan, M. Shyamalan, sorry, an M. Night Shyamalan, like, depiction of Martian Manhunter. And it was kind of neat in that way. But yeah, it, it's not, <laughs> Martian Manhunter isn't a great comic, even for the things that I like about it. Um, the amount of weird twists that are pulled... Um, it just becomes really disengaging, even halfway through the book, you know, I, you could really tell because of, and even in audio quality, you could tell the, the exhaustion that came upon Bennett and Connor in terms of trying to follow the plot and all these characters and what was real and what was not real. Um, and it's, and it's tough because like, you know, I wanted to use this opportunity to talk about Martian Manhunter, who I think is really an underrated character, no matter how many people recognize him. He's an underrated character. He always will be. Um, at least until James Gunn does something with him. But, uh, you know, I, I wanted to talk about him. I, I appreciate Martian Manhunter as a member of the Justice League and as a character in the DC Universe. I think he has a lot of potential. And I, I even thought that parts of this book would work really well for, like, a Martian Manhunter movie or something. Um, ultimately, though, it really was a matter of talking about this character that deserved the spotlight but also highlighting the problem with this character and why they never got the spotlight to begin with. Um, and then to keep up the green theme, uh, episode four of the Comp Buffet was on She-Hulk, the uh, Charles Soule run from 2015, 2016? I think, it was, I think it was 2015. Um, this was, at least to my memory, like a 12-issue run, maybe a little bit longer. Um, this one, this, this one we hit kind of a snag in the road in terms of talking about these episodes. So for the She-Hulk episode, I recorded with my friends, uh, Paul and Jamie. Now, without getting too much into the thick of it, uh, I had, we had a sort of falling out with Paul and Jamie. They're, they are people who are no longer in my life, um, it's unfortunate, but that being said, I have no regrets about the episodes that I recorded with them. Um, the plan was for them to be in, I think, two episodes. Um, they would have been in the She-Hulk one and one on Howard the Duck. Um, because of the falling out, Jamie and Paul are in the She-Hulk episode, and then Paul is in the episode after She-Hulk, which is Elektra. Um, and again... just sort of putting aside all the personal stuff outside this episode, um, I really do think I picked the best people for the She-Hulk episode. Um, Jamie went to school for law. The She-Hulk comic heavily featured, you know, lawyer stuff that, you know, that was the main driving force of the book. Um, it featured characters like Captain America, who Jamie enjoys. It features a lot of, like, obscure characters that the three of us got to kind of joke about and, and discuss. And... Yeah, you know, it, it's tough to listen back to for obvious reasons, but 
in terms of the quality of the episode and at the time that we had put it out, um, I was pretty satisfied with the She-Hulk episode. And I think it was a good time to talk about that character. Um, She-Hulk is one of my favorite Marvel characters. I, I really enjoyed her show when it came out. So being able to talk about a comic book that I was familiar with and kind of my understanding of the She-Hulk character um, with Paul and Jamie, I think it worked out really well. And I liked that episode a lot. After that was the Electra episode. The this Electra book, uh, I want to say it was drawn by Michael DeMundo, um, and written by Hayden Blackwell. I love this Electra book, and Electra, unlike She Hulk, is not a character I consider to be one of my favorites. But this is a lot like the Silk situation, where the art really sold me to the point where when you read Electra, it's from like twenty fifteen, I think. Halfway through, the art changes, and it's jarring, and it, it, and it kind of sucks. But then the Del Mundo art comes back, and, like, you're back into it. And it's it's so beautiful. It's painted. It's elegant. It's so stylized. I really enjoy um, the art in, um, in Electra. Um, but, yeah, for that episode, originally it was going to be, I think, Justin and Bennett. And then just because of scheduling and stuff and because uh, I felt that Bennett and Paul would be a better combination, I got Paul and Bennett on that episode. Um, and again, pretty satisfied with it. Paul and Bennett um, do have uh, a humor between the two of them. And Electra did offer some weird D-list characters that the two of them got to laugh about. Um, the, in the introduction of a like one-time villain called Bloody Lips um, became a pretty good topic of debate. It was also because of this episode and Bennett and Paul's perspective that I realized how inappropriate Man-Thing is outside the context of Marvel Comics. So, you know, Electro was a, a very beautiful book. The story was pretty simple. And, uh, you know, I, I, it was, I'm glad I got to talk about it. Because I really... It looks so good. And yet... If I remember correctly, it wasn't a book that was often talked about when it came out. So I'm glad I got to talk about it with um, with the two of them. Uh, episode 5 of the Comp Buffet for 2022 uh, was Robin, Son of Batman. Uh, this is from Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. <clears throat> I liked this book a lot when it came out. Uh, I'm a fan of Damian Wayne. I think a lot of the hate surrounding him is really just kind of, you know connected to his debut. Fortunately, I wasn't reading comics at that time, so I never... There was never a vindictiveness I had for Damian Wayne. I never felt like he overshadowed Tim Drake or anything like that. He was just another member of the Bat family. And I think as his own entity, Damian has a lot to offer that is unique to him. I think there's a lot of versions of Damian that aren't great. <laughs> Like I think when Damien, uh, excuse me, I think when Damien is done well, um, he's done very well. You know, I don't like him in in the Injustice games. I don't like him um, by Grant Morrison. <laughs> I don't like Damien when like like Adam Glass is writing him. <laughs> like you know, I it's like Damien is kind of an acquired taste of a character but when he's written well and you when you kind of understand why he is the way he is and 
you see the better parts of him. Like, it's excusable, you know? And I'm a real sucker for a character who's aiming for redemption or, excuse me, wants to be a better person. And uh, in this episode, uh, I had my brother Bennett, who again, pulled his weight, um, and my mother Jessica. And my mom was already familiar with Damian Wayne from another podcast we did together, so I thought this would be a good place for her. And, uh, you know, it's not the funniest episode. It's definitely on the lower rank, I think, if I had to rank these episodes. Um, but it has a lot of sentimental value. Um, I always love having my parents on for podcasts. I think it's fun to share my interests with them. And, you know, being able to talk about this book with my mom. And just kind of reintroduce her to this depiction of Robin that isn't uh, so cut and dry as other versions were, you know? Like... My mom isn't into this comic book stuff, you know, because of me and my brother, she's watched movies and stuff, but, you know, her version of Robin in her head is maybe just a kid in a costume, so being able to show her this character who is conflicted and, you know, sort of battles his, uh, his more dark, uh, instincts and stuff, like, I, I think it's a, it's a good opportunity to share that with someone. And to kind of have an understanding of, you know, what makes this character appealing to you? Well, there's a very human element to Damien, and that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, this book features characters like Goliath and um, Nobody. Um, of course, Damien's mother comes back, and she has a place in this book. Uh, a comedic thing about this book that, you know, I thought more about as time went on, um, Deathstroke is in this book. And when I introduce him and I, I, you know, voice his lines or whatever, my mom pointed out that my Deathstroke voice is the same as my Batman voice. And obviously, I'm not really... I, I have a very stuffy nose right now, which is why I'm talking the way I am. Um, but normally, I really do love doing the voices. Uh, anytime I do, like, a tabletop game, I do voices. I do voices over podcasts. Like, I just like doing... I do voices in the car when I'm bored. Um... I do voices when I'm playing video games with Macy, just to, like, you know, just have fun, you know? And I think that part of my humor comes from my mother. I remember when I was younger, when my mom would read stuff to me, she would she would sometimes do voices, she would sometimes ad-lib a little bit of stuff in there to make it funnier, whatever she was reading. Um, growing up, she had voices for the dogs, you know? She and I do accent humor even now, you know, I'm, you know, we're, we do voices back to each other and, um, I value that, you know, that goes into everything I do creatively is giving a voice and not even just like with my body, but like, you know, when I'm writing, I try to imagine what a character sounds like and how they're, how they sound distinct from everyone else. So, you know, in that aspect, I really do owe it to my mom for, for passing down that sense of humor to me and... <clears throat> Being able to share with her a character like Damian Wayne who, you know, I, like from a comic reading perspective, of I can, I can totally understand why someone dislikes Damian Wayne. But like, I try to look at it as like an outsider looking at it. I try to look at it from like my mom's perspective. And it's like, you know, Damian Wayne is a character whose past is so filled with pain and expectations and things that a child should never have to experience, you know. It is a miracle that he would want to do the right thing. It is a wonder that he would want to abide by his father's mission. And 
you know, in a way, Damien's path to redemption, it really just mirrors what Batman exists for, you know? I, I think more than just, like, you know, stopping innocent people from dying, I think a lot of what goes into Batman's story and his lore is, like, you know, people can be redeemed. There's a reason Batman doesn't kill people or shouldn't kill people, and it's because he knows that, you know, on occasion, the law works. Clayface became a good guy. Jason Todd became a good guy. Catwoman reformed. You know, redemption exists for people, and I think Damian Wayne is a really good example of that. Now, you know, from one... DC book featuring my parent to another book featuring a parent or two. Um, I, I wanted to do these back to back and I wanted them to be kind of thematically tied together. Um, the next episode was <clears throat> uh, Superman. Jesus Christ, my nose. I can't. So yeah, Superman, uh, the rebirth run from uh, Jim, uh, Jim Palmiotti and no, sorry, not Jim Palmiotti. Oh my god, I'm sorry. This snot is working its way into my brain. It's from Patrick Gleason and Peter J. Tomasi. Uh, Superman from DC Rebirth. Um, this is the comic that really features Superman's son, John Kent, when he's a kid. So, yeah. Like, I wanted synergy here. I wanted to do a book about Damian Wayne Robin, and then a book about John Kent Superboy. A book featuring uh, my mom, and then a book featuring my dad. That's kind of what I was going for. <clears throat> so, yeah, Superman, uh, I guess Rebirth is what I'm going to call it. I really like this episode. Uh, it's, it's definitely up there for me. I think the humor is right on the mark. I had uh, my dad, uh, my stepmother Angie, and my brother Christian. And, like, the, the humor is there, you know. I think a lot of the quick, you know, reactionary humor is good in that episode. Um, I've recorded with my dad a couple times before. I recorded with Christian once. That was that was Angie's first time on the recording. Um, and I like to record my dad, but the problem with him is, like, my dad's very... He's good at listening in, in that moment, um, but he's not a very reactionary person to have on podcasts. Um, but I think when you you pair him up with Christian and Angie, um, that kind of becomes irrelevant. Because it, it means that Angie and Christian are more responsive about the things I'm saying, and, and they can put in their, their humor. And it makes it so that when Dad chips in, it's uh, it, it stands out way more, you know? Um, there's this whole bit where, like, towards the end of the book, there's this beautiful moment where these Kryptonian souls, like, thank Superman before moving on to the afterlife and being free. And I'm like, oh, it's so good. He gets to save his people. And then my dad is like, aren't some of those souls criminals? And it's like, uh, well, yeah, but like, you know, we don't, it's fine. It's the afterlife. There's no parole in the afterlife. So the moments where he does chip in lead to funny moments. You know, my dad does have a good sense of humor. It's just hard to translate that through a podcast. Um, and the book itself is incredible. It's, it's probably one of my favorite Superman comics ever. Um, it just reintroduces a sort of more old-fashioned Superman. It introduces a Superman who is a father. Um, and again, it introduces John Kent, who is a very endearing character. And I'm glad I got to do this episode, too, because it allowed me, just like with like Damien and Martian Manhunter and stuff, it allowed me to talk about John Kent and where he was and, and where he is now and how important he is to the zeitgeist of comic books. 
um, you know, he went from being the sort of new generation of Superman characters to being a gay Superman. Um, and that's a super big deal, and I'm glad I got to celebrate that. And, yeah, it's just really good. And again, it's it's Superman lore, so it's not too complicated in the moment. Um, my dad is familiar with Superman. You know, it, it's Superman. People know who that is. It's an easy kind of character to jump into. And when you frame him as a father, and when you kind of look at the perspective of what a, what the son of Superman would be like growing up, you know, it makes the stories, you know, make sense. Like, you're you're not just reading a Superman book where he's having to adapt to being a father. You're watching this story of a John, of John Kent learning how to use his powers, learning how to be, you know, the next Superman, learning how to live in his father's uh, example. And that's super interesting. I mean, the premise was so interesting. They, they, they have that, that Clark, sorry, Superman and Lois show um, where they have teenage sons. So clearly this book was influential in many ways. So I'm glad I got to talk about that. That was a really good episode. Again, those parental episodes went, you know, kind of just as planned. I'm really glad they worked out. Um, let's see, the next one we had was the Combo Fay Spider-Man Life Story. This was another comic I really wanted to talk about. Spider-Man Life Story is probably one of my favorite Spider-Man comics. It's definitely in my top three. Um, it's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Mark Bagley. Just two legendary creators. Life Story is like a a version of Spider-Man's life that takes place in, like, real time. So in the 60s, he's college-aged, and by 2010, he's an old man, you know? And it takes inspiration from existing Spider-Man stories to create this new life story for Peter Parker. And I knew that, like... Because <laughs> I've covered a lot of Spider-Man stories on the Comp Buffet in the past, and I knew that if I was going to do this Spider-Man story that references so many Spider-Man, like, other Spider-Man stories, I needed to get the two guys who were always with me to do those Spider-Man comics. So I got uh, Seth and I got David. Now, initially the plan was just to get Seth and David, but there are a couple of surprise factors that came along, right? One of the first things was that, like I said before, Seth is, he, he works a lot. He's a busy worker. This is entirely on me, but like, he had to go to work, like, in the middle of the episode. And I was not seeing how long the episode was taking. If I could do it again, I'd probably plan it on a different day that he wasn't working. Point is, like, half the episode has Seth in it, and, like, is, you know, it has Seth's humor, and it's great. Um, and then the other half doesn't. Now, I... I'm not disappointed with how the episode turned out, because the other surprise factor was that David brought uh, his fiance Marina, into the recording. Um, I've met her only a few times before this. And, uh, you know, I, I know she's a polite person. I know she's a smart person. That's all I'm really going on. And, you know, in the moment, David had asked if she could be in the episode. And in the moment, I was like, sure. But I'm not going to lie. There, I had reservations. I, I, I often do when people bring their significant other into a recording. And it's nothing against them. I had nothing against Marina as a person. Um, I was not trying to gatekeep comic books or, or say that, you know, she no, she can't be on my podcast. It was literally just, it, I had planned on having Seth and David, right? And the reason I had them is because there was a whole era. This is what I mean when I say, like, I wanted to do these specific teams for a reason. 
Seth and David were my co-hosts on the Weekly Flip and the Comp Buffet for, like, years. You know, after kind of the Justin and Connor era, uh, Seth and David were my guys. You know, they were the ones that were always with me. And with them, I had covered books like uh, Craven's Last Hunt and The Clone Saga and Superior Spider-Man and Spider-Verse. Like, they knew these Spider-Man stories so that when those kind of stories happened in Life Story... It was the opportunity to reference old jokes that we had. Like, like we had jokes from the like the, the Jackal, um, the weird pointing Spider-Man, uh, Superior Spider-Man being a, a douchebag and hitting people, Craven being a huge buzzkill. Like, there were jokes we could, we could kind of tap into from our past. You know, Secret Wars. That was another thing that was referenced in Life Story that we could talk about because we did that story originally. Um... You know, they're like in 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 my mind, it was like perfect. It was like here are two guys who are familiar with Spider-Man stories that are referenced in Life Story. You know, here are opportunities to reference old jokes that we made while also talking about how this is different and new. And and, and you know, it's like it's like a time machine of being back then when I was doing these these podcasts with just these two guys. You know, um, and I guess like. There was a part of me that resented that Marina was added into that. But, like, it was such a short period. It was, like, I was more upset. Excuse me. It's, like, it had nothing to do with, like, her. Like, if Seth brought Emily and asked if she could be in the recording, I'd probably still have the same reservations. You know? Or if David brought someone that he, like, some, like, friend of his... Or if if, they, if Seth brought someone unexpected, like it's it's the same difference, you know. It's just you have a plan for things, and sometimes they don't go the way. And listen, I say all this, and I'm really happy Marina was there because, you know, again Seth had to leave for work, and I I try not to record with just one person if I can help it. So when Seth was gone, it was just like me and David and Marina. So it's like the amount of people was still like like acceptable for me, you know. And to her credit, Marina is very smart. She did point out things about the context of the story that I had never thought about. And she and David, you know, they they carried it, man. You know, I'm really happy with that episode and how it turned out. Again, if I, you know, if I could go back and change it, I would have. I would plan it on a different day. But I would not remove Marina from it. I would not, you know, change her inclusion. I'm glad that she came along, um, you know. All things considered, she was one of the few people who, you know, it was their first time. It was like her and Angie, their first times on, you know, a podcast, and or at least on my podcast. So, you know, I was happy with that result. And, you know, it, the scheduling thing is definitely what kind of kills a lot of these. Um, because Seth, again, Seth works a lot, but also David and Marina live out out of this they live another state over so like getting them down here it was a lot of kind of uh lucky timing that things got to happen the way they did so you know for what's worth i really i i'm glad that of all the spider-man stories that's the one i did this year and i'm glad that you know even if only half of it included seth and david i'm glad that i got to kind of reunite that team for a spider-man episode i i really enjoyed that aspect of it so after that we have let's see episode nine yeah episode nine 
Um, this had to have been in October. Um, this was Batman Black Mirror. So, a little background for this one. This originally was going to be myself, I, at least when I planned it out, it was going to be myself, uh, Christian, and Gage, my brothers. Um, Christian, again, I'd had on, I had had on for the Superman episode. Um, my brother Gage lives out of state, so I knew I could only get him for one podcast, and I wanted to do this one because the one other time I had Gage on a podcast was for a Batman book centered around Jason Todd, the second Robin, and Black Mirror features the first Robin, Dick Grayson, as Batman. So I thought that would be, you know, that would make sense to have, you know, my two brothers on for <clears throat> a Batman slash Robin related story. Um, as, as it was, I just wasn't really good at planning for that. Um, I remember bringing it up to Gage a couple times, but never kind of solidifying that final, like, confirmation. Like, I didn't remind him enough, so I forgot about it. I think he forgot about it. Um, at the time of this recording, I just saw Gage, he just got back from a trip, um, and he and I had a good laugh over, like, the planning and then ball dropping of Batman Black Mirror in terms of having him on, um, and the original plan, because, like, the last four episodes of the year, um, were gonna be Batman Black Mirror, Uncanny X-Men, Howard the Duck, and then Nightwing New Order, and Nightwing New Order was gonna have Bennett and Christian, but because I forgot about the gauge, the whole gauge thing, um, I just brought Bennett in for Batman Black Mirror. So it ended up being Christian and Bennett for Black Mirror, which worked out pretty well. Um, you know, I, I was already going to get the two of them. I think they have good synergy. Um, uh, what else about them? Again, Bennett, the pitch hitter for the entirety of 2022. Um, you know, they're, they were good to have on. I think Black Mirror, it's, it's on the lower scale in terms of, like, my favorites, um, but there's a few, like, shimmering moments of, of humor and insight in that comic, and, uh, as a book by itself, I like Black Mirror, it's, it's, um, was it Scott Snyder and Jock, so the art is very strong and striking, it's a Dick Grayson Batman story, so you get weird villains like Roadrunner and, uh, Tiger Shark, and, you know, there is some humor around Jim Gordon Jr., sorry, James Gordon Jr., uh, who's like a serial killer in that story. So there's some humor about like what his theming is. Because the, the joke that the three of us had was that if he became like a classic Batman villain, all of his gim his gimmick would be childhood games like Hopscotch and, and, and uh, Playgrounds and stuff. So, you know, there were some moments in there of like, you know, classic comic buffet humor. Um, but for the most part, like, it wasn't a bad story to go over, and I think Bennett and Christian had a good time with it, so, you know, no regrets there. It's on the lower end, but still, like, I'm not upset with how that episode turned out. Um, and then the next three got shuffled around a lot, um, but the next one was, uh, Uncanny X-Men Superior, which is a Magneto-led X-Men book. This one was gonna be Justin, Connor, and Seth when I first planned it out. I wanted to get all three of them for, you know, because it was going to be the last one of this year to feature Justin and Connor. So I want it to be kind of like a heavy hitter by adding Seth in there. Um, again, planning went awry. Um, even planning with just Justin and Connor, because, you know, I took Seth out of the equation, so it would just be me, Justin, Connor. I was comfortable doing that pairing again because it's the first uh, set of co-hosts I had doing the panel biter. So... You know, 
that was just hard to plan. It's also hard to plan because, like, uh, again, like a lot of other people in this 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 group here, uh, it was a it was a distance thing, you know. Uh, Seth and Bennett were easier to plan with because they they live locally, you know. With Justin and Connor, they live like an hour away from me. Uh, again, David is out of state. My brother Gage is out of state. Um, so yeah, the, in that aspect, it's harder to plan for that kind of thing. But for what it was, um, it turned out really good. Now, with Uncanny X-Men, there was an, uh, an innate problem. And this is really something that I should probably email anchor.fm about. But in uh, Uncanny X-Men, actually, I met him before the problems. Basically, with Uncanny X-Men, uh, I could not record it using uh, Opinion. Now, Opinion is a app for iOS uh, for recording and uploading podcasts. I had been using it since the beginning of the Panel Biter nine years ago. The problem is that it never updated or anything like that. It was a very simple-to-use tool that would just record trim audio and upload it to your Google Drive. And that's what I did for like nine years. Um, it was free. I didn't have to pay for Podbean or anything. It just, it just was its own thing. And it was a pretty good mic, you know? But I guess it just stopped working. Like I couldn't open it anymore. And I had no idea that it was shutting down. You, you can't even find it online, like Googling it. So it's just gone. It's this, this, this recording app. So this thing I've been using for nine years gone. So, you know, I wasn't about to like buy a new microphone or, or pay for some expensive recording app, considering that I only had three more episodes of the combo Fade to do. And that essentially meant I only had three months of podcasting left, you know, before I was going to be done. So I just used, um, I just used Anchor's recording app, which is what I'm using right now. But and again, this is something that I should probably email about. So I used it to record Uncanny X-Men. What I discovered was that after a while, after like 20 to 30 minutes, there's a chance that you'll see your sound waves go flat. And that doesn't mean that the app is just being lazy. It means it's not picking up audio anymore. So there are sections of the Uncanny X-Men episode that ended up going missing, that were just cut because the app couldn't handle more than half an hour of our raw, uncut uh, humor. <laughs> but, um, you know, I didn't notice it until I was editing the episode to upload on YouTube and, and stuff, um, which meant I had to go back and record, like, solo excerpts. I only had to do it twice, but two of the moments that were cut out of the episode were, like, action-packed and pretty funny, you know? Like, there was good stuff. Like, it, it couldn't have been, like, a boring thing where I was explaining, like, like what Psylocke's origin story is, or something like that. You know, it had to be, like, moments where a character was going to get killed, or moments of, like, you know, introducing a, a new character, stuff like that. So I had to go, you know, I did it three times, I think, but I had to go and just put in, like, hey guys, it's Rafi from the future, here to tell you that this is what happened in this moment, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you listen to it, you know what I'm talking about. But... It was at that moment, because it happened there, and it happened on the Monpod. Now, again, we're talking about the Comic Fae, but the Monpod is a four-episode miniseries that I did with Max, um, kind of to kind of make kind of to make up for the fact that I didn't... 
at the beginning of the year, I didn't even think about putting Max on any of the Comp Buffet episodes. I don't know where I was emotionally with him at the point, but um, the Mon Pod was a a good way of making up for that by having Max be my my co host on the Mon Pod, um, and also just a good way to explore another topic I wanted to talk about with Max. Um, but like there was an episode of the Mon Pod, I think it's the Metabots episode that had the same problem where some audio went missing and I had to go and reinsert like my new original audio and explain, Hey, here's what me and Max were talking about in this moment, filling in the blank, you know? And that's annoying. And it made me realize if I was going to continue using the anchor app, uh, I would have to be more careful about it. Right? So now what I do is I stop recording at, at maximum every like half an hour. And that's what I did with the episode that follows uncanny X-Men and it's what I've been doing, like, right now. It's what I did with Iron Man 3. Oh, my God. When Bennett and I did the commentary of Iron Man 3, not only was I pausing a bunch because I was concerned about the audio being cut off, I was pausing a bunch because the dog kept dragging me outside. So, that if that feels like a train wreck, that's that's why. Um, but, yeah, it, I had to just kind of adjust to it. And it sucks, too, because whether I'm using Anchor on my phone or on the iPad, if I click Stop Recording... It'll give me the option to trim, save, and it'll give me the X button. You can't. I can't save it. I tap the save button with the check mark. It doesn't save. So what I have to end up doing is pressing the X, and it'll ask me delete audio or save audio to library. I press save audio to library because that you know that's what that does. The problem is I don't get to name it while like before it saves. So I just have to keep an eye on like. Okay, these are all the same date. These are all different times, so I can order the audio by the time. And it's like, whatever. 1% are problems, right? There's kids starving in Africa. I can get over this fucking podcast problem. But, like, if I, you know, as if I didn't need another reason to stop podcasting, the stress of knowing something I'm recording could just disappear like that is, like, just another reason of, like, why I want to take a break so hard, you know? And hopefully, if I ever do get back into podcasting, I can do the research and find a better way to go about it. Because, like, it's so, like, annoying to know that a, a, a good piece of, of humor or just, like, something needs to be fixed. Because I, I would hate to go and listen to a podcast and there would be a whole missing section and something that isn't talked about because someone didn't notice that the audio was messed up, you know? Like, like I don't need to be putting so much quality con control into something that only gets, like, 10 views maximum. But it would annoy me. So that's that's why I do what I do, you know? Um, but as far as the book, Uncanny X-Men, like, it was good to have Justin and Connor because, again, classic comp buffet crew, the right people to have on to make fun of a book where the artist is drawing porn faces every, <laughs> every couple of panels. Um... But, you know, I really liked Uncanny X-Men. When I was reading it, it was the best X-Men book at the time. Um, I liked the team. It's really small, simple, and, you know, it's like an anti-hero X-Men team, and I like that. Uh, and it doesn't try too hard to bank on your nostalgia with the X-Men. It kind of keeps its eye on modern issues that modern issues that were around then. Um, and, yeah, it's just it's just a cool book. Like, it looks cool. Um, the characters are cool, and, you know, it, we only did one volume of it, but I read the entire series as it was going, and I liked it a lot. So, 
Uncanny X, you know, and, and I knew I wanted an X-Men book on here. Like, I, like when I, when I step back and look at the books I put up here, I was like, uh, there's no Avengers book. There's no, um, I don't know, uh, you know, I, <laughs> is there any other, like, big hitter? There's no Wonder Woman book. You know, there's no big hitters in that degree. There's, like, a lot of B-listers, like She-Hulk, um, Martian Manhunter. I, I'll give him a B, you know? But, um, like, who who is out here starred for Elektra or Howard the Duck, you know? It, uh, what is it? Freaking, there's two Batman characters. Actually, three if you count the Robin book. So there's, like, three. Actually, four, because Justice League is another thing I did. Anyway, I, I wanted to do an X-Men book, and X-Men Superior is what... Or Uncanny X-Men Superior is one of my favorite X-Men stories. That's the thing, too. If you search, If you look for this, it's just called Uncanny X-Men Superior... When I was buying it, like, in 2015, it was just called Uncanny X-Men. So, I don't know what that's about. Um, and then the most recent episode we did, this came out... This was recorded, I think, in um, November. But I think it came out in December. Yeah, it came out December 3rd. Um, this is Justice League International. This is the most recent one that's been recorded. It's the most recent one that's been released. Um, again, like I said before... The last two or three months of this year were really shuffled around a lot. At one point in time, it was going to be like uh, Paul and Jamie were going to be on the Howard the Duck episode. And then another point in time, it was going to be Christian and, Christian and Bennett on a Nightwing episode. And then that got scrapped. And then the falling out with Paul and Jamie happened. And then Howard the Duck had to get moved over here. And like <coughs> the plan was to do Uncanny X-Men, Howard the Duck in November, because duck, and it's the turkey month, you know, whatever, um, and I had two other people for the Howard the Duck episode, um, we'll talk more about that when we get there, but that had to get shoveled too, so Justice League ended up coming out, uh, in December, it meant, I meant to have it out by November, whatever, um, and, and then j just with Justice League International, that was just like, <laughs> like, between... September and November, I don't know, more recently I'd say than that, I had been spending a lot of time, like, I try to, once a week after work, go visit Seth at his job, and just shoot the shit with him, you know? Um, I, I've kind of brought this up in previous podcasts, but there's a part of me that wants to spend more time with my friends away from podcasting, so that it feels more genuine when I hang out with them. Not that anyone ever accused me, I mean... Seth kind of did, and that was a legitimate thing that he and I had to work out together. Um, but, like, I, it's not like I was trying to prove my friendship outside of podcasting, but maybe there's a part of me that wanted that. It, it's a bag of nuts, right? Point is, I was hanging around with Seth a lot, and I was explaining the issue I was having with the podcast, and I asked him if he and his girlfriend, Emily, wanted to do one of the last comp phase this year with me. Um, and I told him what book we'd do, and he was excited about that, and, and, you know, the pieces fell into line. And the funny thing is, because, again, I, I try to see Seth every now and again. With Emily, I had, I saw her at Seth's job one one day, and then uh, she ended up coming to the Halloween party that Macy and I threw. So, and, like, Emily's not a new person in my life. I've, knew, I've known Emily since she, she started dating Seth years ago. Um, she's been on previous podcasts before. And at the beginning, because she was this new person in Seth's life and in mine, that kind of resentment I explained with the whole Marina thing, like, it had come up. It was like, you know, just because she's here 
doesn't mean we have to have her on the podcast, you know what I mean? Again, that was a younger, more immature, more, like, like control freak version of myself. Um, and I do feel bad about thinking that way. It's not like I ever talked to Emily about it, really. I, or I should. Um, but, you know, I, I like Emily a lot. She's very funny. She's very smart. Um, she cares a lot about the things that she's into. And she's careful. And I, I appreciate that about her, too. She's not reckless in what she says or what her opinions are. And I appreciate that as well. Um, and I think, you know, what I already, like, like doing the Justice League International episode with Seth and Emily just kind of reminded me, like, what I already knew about the two of them. Like, I, that whole pairing thing of, like, people work really well together, seeing the humor that Seth and Emily can kind of carry between them, it just kind of reminded me of what I love about Seth and Emily. And it, like, made me happy to see the two of them, like, bounce off each other like that. Because it's, like, not that I needed to be reinforced of how well their relationship is, but it makes me happy, right? Because I care about Seth a lot. I've come to care about Emily a lot. It, it makes me feel secure and confident in their future to know that their humor is so earnest, you know, and, and like, you know, getting to be a part of that and getting to know that, like, this project I had been doing that has been a big part of my life, a big part of my relationship with Seth, like, even if it soured our friendship at one point, like, it, it, it never stopped the synergy. It never stopped, you know, the friendship I have with Seth. It never stopped, um, you know, any sort of growth between me and Emily as friends. Like, when you're told that, like, the podcast takes too much of energy like I, hold on let me, let me try to say this again there was a part of me that was really worried that having Seth on the podcast again would lead to a similar feeling that was held years ago I when Seth made it aware to me that like you know the podcast was sort of overwhelming at one point it it struck a fear in me you know and I care about Seth and Emily so much that there was a fear in me that asking them to be part of it again would only be opening old wounds or, you know, it would make me look like I hadn't learned anything from what Seth had told me. Um, and I think that th those fears were, you know, were squashed. Because, you know, in the moment leading up, it's like, yeah, I'm having Seth on for another podcast and he's bringing Emily and, you know, I'm hoping they don't, feel any sort of negative way about me or about being there but when we're doing the episode and we're talking about all the really badly aged jokes and how Lobo is acting completely different from how Lobo is supposed to act and we're talking about Booster Gold and Blue Beetle and Mr. Miracle trying to get someone to say the word trap like it, di it just disappears man it's like this is gonna sound weird podcasting with my friends is like it's like love it's like it's it's like new love every time like it's like all the worries you have go away the outside world is like blank and you're just in that moment and you're just sharing it with someone you, you care about and it, it's like 
the whole world could be on fire and it wouldn't matter to you in that moment because you're enjoying yourself and you're sharing an experience with someone. And I value that so much about podcasting. Like, I want to get out of podcasting because of that fear. That fear of, you know, am I hanging out with these people just to make content or do I really want to be around them, you know? And I want to get out of it so I can explore other creative avenues. But doing this, doing this year of podcasting and the way that I did it, it's really been a highlight reel for me to remind me what I value about all of my friends and family and the people that I, I share these these stories with. It's reminded me what it is about comics that I love. What, what about comics that I make fun of? And what about comics I learn and take with me? And, and being able to share all of this with people I love, it it makes it feel more, you know, legitimate and earned. It, it, it's like, no, I didn't waste all this money <laughs> reading a Martian Manhunter book for nothing. You know, I wasted, I, I didn't. The money went towards building the, this, this ongoing joke with Connor and Bennett about Martian Manhunter being a confusing character who, who loves biscuits and shit. Like, like, like reading Just Like International is fun. I get a, I get a laugh out of it, but I get more of a laugh when I tell them, when I tell Seth and Emily, oh yeah, Blue Beetle calls someone a Nazi and they're like, whoa, that's really out of line. Like, that's something. Like, sharing John Kent's childhood with my dad. Going over Damien's path to redemption with my mother. You know, looking at any of these stories with my friends and my family, there's there's a value to that. You know, it, it becomes sentimental. It becomes tangible. Now I look at these characters and I look at these books and I don't just see the things I love about Superman, I see the things I love about my father. I I don't just look at the Electra comic and go, oh, it's such a beautiful book. I think it's a beautiful book, and I loved sharing it with Paul and Bennett. Even something like Silk, that it wasn't even the best book to talk about for an episode, but I, I look at it, and I think, I love Silk. And I love my wife, and I love my brother, and I love that the two of them get along the way they do, and it just it just builds another bridge between an interest I have and a real part of my life. You know, I I got into comic books at a time where I felt like I didn't have a lot. I got into uh, into comic books after a heartbreak, after you know being single and having money and just not knowing what to do with myself. And I I read comic books and I and I enjoyed it. So going full circle. And knowing that the time and money I invested in this hobby, in this interest, only brought me closer to the people I love, it's so it's satisfying. I look at this and I and I feel satisfied. There's a part in Just League International um, where there's a monster called the Thunderer, uh, and he explodes when Captain Adam fights him. <laughs> and Emily goes. What? But we just met him. Oh, <laughs> uh, I I really do love the international. I was listening to the international episode today. It's it's good. It's fun. Um, Obron is kind of a sexist, but whatever. That's that's his prerogative, I guess. 
So like I said before, the Howard the Duck episode, it ended up getting shuffled around a lot. The co-host for it got shuffled around a lot. Um, I'm planning on recording this episode with my friends Emily and Andy. They do live four hours away, so instead of having them drive down here, um, we're probably just going to do it over audio, like uh, over a voice call. Um, and yeah, it might come out after December. Again, it's the holiday season. The two of them are like renovating a house. And I know that they've both had like medical issues come up. So I'm not trying to rush them. I'm not trying to take up too much of their time. Um, you know, and the two of them, they're familiar with the podcast. I've never had them on before, but they are aware that I do it. They've listened to my episodes before. Um, and I love them. Emily and Andy, I, I love you guys so much. I'm so, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing you again. I'm looking forward to recording with you. Uh, and I'm happy that you guys have a home that you can live in. Um, I'm really excited for you guys. And I'm, I'm excited to record with you guys when the time comes. Me and Howard the Duck will be waiting here. <laughs> um, I, I won't talk, talk too much about the story by Chip Zdarsky, Howard the Duck's run, or the, sorry, Chip Zdarsky's run on Howard the Duck. But I unironically love Howard the Duck, and I love his stories. And I really want to talk about him and his weird story that we're going to go over. Um, but as it stands, Howard Duck is a fun character. And I don't mind ending the year on him because, yeah, it's a weird character to end on. But at least when I look at Howard the Duck, I'm going to think about Emily and Andy and, like, that fun experience that we're going to have together. Um, so keep an ear to the ground about Howard the Duck. Keep an ear out for quacking and see when that happens. Um... Yeah, and again, I, I could have waited to do this after the Howard the Duck thing, but I just really wanted to talk about all these episodes, and at least with the Howard the Duck thing, it's like, hey, there's a secret episode that comes out later, just wait for it. Um, but yeah, I think I kind of summed up my experience this year with Con Buffet before, when we talk about uh, Just Like International. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's good. I, I think if I stopped podcasting forever, I'd be satisfied with what we did this year. You know, like, I didn't upload all this stuff onto YouTube for it to get popular. You know, I did it so that there is this sort of solid distillation of the comic buffet. When people ask, like, oh, you used to do podcasts, what was that like? I can show them, hey, there's these 12 episodes on YouTube, go there, like, you know. It's like a good summary, a good wrap-up, and a good, again, like I said before, a distillation of what me and my friends and my family do. That's why it was important to me to not just do every episode with Justin and Connor. Like, to get my parents involved, to get my brothers involved, to get my other friends and my wife involved. Like, again, even the ones where it's like, you know, I don't associate with these people anymore. Like, that is still a distillation of, like, what our relationship was like. That's still a distillation of, you know, a good uh, a story, you know, and, and something that we share. Like, I don't think you can look at the good memories of your life and ever really poison them. You know, you feel the way you feel for a reason. You know, we can't predict what's going to happen to us. None of us can, can predict that. So I think all we can do is look at memories, you know as feelings, you know, I have a lot of memories that, you know, make me feel a different way about my father. I have a lot of memories that make me feel a different way about my friends, but that doesn't take away from the good memories. 
It doesn't poison, you know, what was. And the reason the people in your life stick around so often is because these good memories, they never run out. They, they, they keep showing up. And I think that's probably how I felt when I started this whole thing in the beginning, you know, nine years ago. Like, we started back in 2015. That's more than nine years ago, but... Man, is it more than nine years? Probably, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to do math on the fly, because I'm, I'm doing a sentimental speech right now. Back when we started in 2015, I wanted to get popular doing this. I wanted to be like Comic Pop and um, Professor Thorgy and uh, the, the Combo Cast. I wanted to be like those guys. But I also enjoyed listening to the episodes I did with Justin and Connor. And, you know, on the way to record with Seth and and, and, uh, and David, I'd be listening to the last episode I did with Seth and David. I enjoyed creating characters from the existing ones. You know, Seth, Seth David, and I came up with Gunman. And, and that's on the YouTube. And, that, and that's chronicled because it was such a big thing for us at the time. You know, pointing annoying Spider-Man. That was us, too. It's just, I, I, I captured these moments for me and my friends, you know, to look back on with nostalgia, to look back on with levity, even outside of this, you know, we did the Digimon tabletop and I did recordings of that, you know, the weekly flip. The movie biter stuff, the the panel pitch, everything I've done podcasting wise, there was there was always a part of me that wanted it to launch off and to be successful, but I was more grateful that it existed as an example of my friendship with these people. Growing up, I went through a lot of circles of friends. You know, people I was friends with in elementary school. I didn't really know in middle school. People I knew in middle school, I didn't hang out with a lot during high school. And during high school, the people that I thought I would have with my by my side all the time, a lot of them weren't when I reached adulthood. A lot of close friends moved away or just never talked to me again. So it's important to me to solidify these moments and value what I have now. But yeah, that's uh, that's the comp buffet, you know. If that's the final note on it, I don't want to say that for sure. But I'm I'm satisfied with what this year was in terms of podcasting, even outside of, um, even outside of that, you know. Like there were there were some duds, not duds, but like some things that shot off that didn't go far. Like I tried to do a a Ben Ten podcast with Seth that didn't go that far. The Mon Pod was very short and limited because of the time, and you know I wanted to be done podcasting by the end of the year. Even, like, the, the Rafi's Roundups, like, these, like, these pattered out real bad. Like, you know I'm pattering out when I do this, and, like, the other one was, like, related to Black Panther, which I just reviewed. The other one was related to, like, quitting, like, you know, and, and like, movie reviews, too, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's been this year in terms of, like, podcasting. Again, 
there's going to be a couple more things that come out before the end of the year. Howard the Duck will probably come out the beginning of, of next month, maybe. I don't want to put a time on that, but maybe. If I ever came back and did this, I, I, I do have other books that I think would be perfect for the Con Buffet. But I'm trying not to think too much about that because I really do want to just tie a bow on this and, and leave it for a while. So that's where I'm at. Uh, as always, thank you for listening so much. Thank you for coming along with me on this journey and, and supporting this direction for the Con Buffet. You know, I wouldn't be doing all this if there wasn't someone's ear to be talking into. So, you know, I'm very happy with the Con Buffet and, and what we did this year and the effort that was put in. So thank you so much. I hope you have a great Christmas or a great holiday, um, a great new year. And yeah, you'll, you'll hear from me now and again, you know, after this year and after I say, you know, we're done, I'll still do movie reviews every now and again, but I, I, I love you for listening to this. Just, just know, you know, listening to this, it, it makes somebody happy and it makes someone feel validated and it makes someone's silly opinion about like a man in a bat costume feel warranted. You know, because of this, I've got to think about comic books and comic book characters in a more meaningful way, and I've gotten to strengthen my bonds with my friends and my families. And for that, I am very thankful for uh, for them and for you. So thank you so much again and again and again, and I'll catch you guys next time. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, uh, goodbye. <laughs>